ladies, and welcome to the Amazing Bible Dot Book Club. I am Julie Callio, your host, and thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at vab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Today we are looking at the Book of Lamentations. Dr. Betts in Old Testament class said the key word is lamentations. Do, do, do. That is because it is a book of poems or songs that are laments. Because Jerusalem and Judah were destroyed by Babylon in 587-586 BC. In the Hebrew scriptures, this book is placed in the section called the writings. And its name comes from the first word of the book, which means alas or how. It is also placed in a group of five scrolls or rolls that are read publicly at Jewish festivals. The Song of Songs is read at Passover, Ruth at the Feast of Pentecost, Ecclesiastes at the Feast of Tabernacles, Esther at the Feast of Purim, and Lamentations at the anniversary of the destruction of Jerusalem, both when it happened in 586 BC and then later on 70 AD. In the Christian Bible, it is located in the section called Major Prophets. It is after Jeremiah because many people believe that Jeremiah wrote it, even though the book does not say that. When the Hebrew Bible was translated into Greek, because that was the language of the day, the name was changed to Lament, which is how we got the name Lamentations in English. So it went from how to Lamentations. In the Septuagint, which is another name for that Greek translation of the Bible, which is usually shown with the Roman numbers of capital L, capital X, capital X, which stands for 70, because around 70 scholars helped make the translation. Those writers included a prescript before verse 1 of chapter 1, which read, and it came to pass, after Israel was led into captivity and Jerusalem laid waste, that Jeremiah sat weeping and lamented with this lamentation over Jerusalem and said, and then it goes into verse 1. This is not in the original Hebrew text, at least the ones that we have copies of. The first reason many people believe that Jeremiah wrote it comes from 2 Chronicles chapter 35, verse 25. This is after King Josiah's death, and the verse says, And Jeremiah lamented for Josiah, and all the singing men and the singing women spoke of Josiah in their lamentations to this day, and made them an ordinance in Israel. And behold, they are written in the lamentations. One thing to notice when we read Lamentations, it, it is very clear that it's referring to the fall of Jerusalem and Judah. So it is not a part of the Lamentations book that's in reference here in Second Chronicles. But this verse does show and prove that Jeremiah did write laments. Another thing to notice is that the issues that are addressed in these laments are also addressed in the book of Jeremiah. 
such as Jeremiah's weeping over Judah's sin, the sin of the false prophets and the priests, the day of the Lord, the Jews having confidence in other nations instead of the Lord, the punishment of Israel's enemies, and the righteousness of God the judge. Also, as we read this book, it will seem clear that the person who wrote these poems must have been in Jerusalem to see the devastation because it is described so vividly, and we know that Jeremiah was there. Dr. Betts and I believe that it was Jeremiah. The writer of our Old Testament books of the Bible song also thought that because it's written in the song. So, let's pause and sing just the verse of the Major Prophets. Hmm, let us sing the Major Prophets, Major Prophets, Major Prophets. Let us sing the Major Prophets, the greatest of them all. Isaiah, Jeremiah, who wrote Lamentations, Ezekiel and Daniel, who were true to their God. The book itself, Lamentations, has five chapters, which are five separate poems. Four of them are acrostics with the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Poems 1, 2, 4, and 5 all have 22 verses. Poems 1, 2, and 4, the first word of each verse, not each line, starts with the Hebrew letters in order. Except for chapter 2 and chapter 4, they have two letters that are switched, ayin and pei. No one knows exactly why. Chapter 3 is also an acrostic with the letters of the alphabet, but all three lines of each verse start with the Hebrew letter. So it has 66 verses. Chapter 3 also has the letters Ion and Pei switched. See Hassel Bullock in his book An Introduction to the Old Testament Prophetic Books says about the acrostics. The idea was that once the entire range of the alphabet has been exhausted to vent the deep grief of Jerusalem and Judah about all that could be said had been said. Poems 1, 2, and 3 are each written with three-line verses, and chapter 4 has two-line verses. Then we have chapter 5, which does none of that. It does have 22 verses, but it is not an acrostic. It seems to be written less like a poetic rhythmic flow, but more like regular Hebrew parallelism. It is also written as a prayer to the Lord. Dr. Bett said in class, Lamentations is less concerned with recording the historical date surrounding the fall and more with capturing the pathos of the judgment against Israel who had brought upon herself the covenant curses. Pathos is the emotion or the quality that evokes pity or sadness. Betts also said that this book is a response to the destruction of Jerusalem and its aftermath. Just like the Psalms and Proverbs, this is humanity crying out in response to what the Lord has done or what he has allowed. This is not, thus saith the Lord, which is why in the Hebrew scriptures, it is not in the prophets, 
but in the writings. One thing we see in the poetry, the writer acknowledges that Israel is in the mess she is in because of her sin. Yet there is still a cry for mercy, and we will find a window of hope in God's faithful love that this day will come to an end. So let's look at chapter 1 of Lamentations. It begins, How does the city sit alone that was full of people? How has she become like a widow? She that was great among the nations and princes among the provinces. How has she become a forced laborer? Hence the title, How, in the Hebrew Scripture. As we can see in verse 1, this is a poem of lament over the city of Jerusalem in her destruction from Babylon. It is from the view of the writer looking at Jerusalem. But starting in verse 11, this poem switches as if it is the city of Jerusalem speaking. According to Bullock, the theme of this chapter is the lonely and comfortless plight of the city. We see in verse 1 that she sits alone. Some translations say, how lonely sits the city that was full of people. Just a historical reminder, King Nebuchadnezzar took 3,023 exiles from Judah around 605 B.C., This first group of exiles took Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The second group was in 597 BC, and that time 832 people from Jerusalem were exiled to Babylon. And in that group was King Jehoiakim and Ezekiel the prophet. The last exiles, 745 people, happened at the destruction of Jerusalem in 587-586 BC. They took everybody but the poor, and they took everything that was left to take. The city was in shambles. Then throughout the chapter, we see that there was no one to comfort her. Verse 2b says, She has none to comfort her among all her lovers. 9b, Therefore she has fallen astonishingly, She has no comforter. 16b, because far from me is a comforter, one who restores my soul. 17a, Zion stretches out her hands. There is no one to comfort her. And verse 21a, they have heard, then I groan. There is no one to comfort me. Keep in mind that repetition is one way that the Hebrew writers emphasize a point. Another point that is repeated in this chapter is the acknowledgement that Jerusalem is in this mess because of their sin. Verse 5b says, For the Lord has caused her grief because of the multitude of her transgressions. Verse 8a states, Jerusalem sinned greatly, therefore she has become an unclean thing. In verse 14a, it is as if the city of Jerusalem is speaking. The yoke of my transgressions is bound. By his hands they are knit together. Verse 18a. The Lord is righteous, for I have rebelled against his command. Verse 20b declares, My heart is overturned within me, for I have been very rebellious. And the last verse, number 22. Let all their wickedness come before you and deal with them as they have dealt with me. 
for all my transgressions, for my groans are many and my heart is faint. In this we see an acknowledgement that this destruction is from the Lord because he is righteous and just, and there is punishment to those who disobey. There is also a prayer that the Lord would also deal with her enemies the way that the Lord has done with her, because they are not righteous either. Truth is, ladies, none of us are righteous. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul wrote a beautiful letter to the believers in Rome to help them learn Christian doctrine. This book is full of wisdom, and one of the things that has been around for a long time is something called the Romans Road. It uses verses in the book of Romans to help share the gospel, which means the good news of Jesus Christ. And this is how it goes. It begins with question number one, who is God? Romans 1.20 says he's creator and we are the created. Romans 11.33-36 say that God is full of wisdom and knowledge and he alone is to be worshipped. Question two, who is man? Romans 1.25 describes the Jews here in Lamentations and us, for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forevermore. Amen. Romans 3.10 says, There is no one righteous, not even one. And then Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Then question 3, Who is Christ? Romans 1.1-4, In short, it says that Jesus is the Son of David, the Son of God, Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 8.3 says, for what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. And Romans eight thirty one and 32, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Question number four, what has Christ done? Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And the last question, question number five, what must we do? Romans 10 verses 9 through 13 say that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So ladies, where are you on this journey? Do you acknowledge the Lord? 
Are you in lament because your sin has caused a separation between you and God? Do you realize that Jesus is the Messiah of the Jews, a descendant of King David, and he has come to fulfill the Old Testament prophecies? Do you understand that he died to pay the price for you? And because of that, we have access to the God of heaven. And because of that, we are never alone. The Apostle Paul also describes the Lord as the God of all comfort. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, And this God of comfort comforts us in all our afflictions so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. There is a purpose for the pain, and Jeremiah knew that in this book of Lamentations. It draws us back to the Lord. So, if you hear his voice today, don't harden your hearts. Instead, let's cry out to the Lord God of all comfort and obey his calling on our lives. Until next time, and thank you so much for listening.